Hey everyone, Michael Anthony here. Van Halen, Chickenfoot, Sammy in the Circle. But anyway, you're listening to the only podcast that is dedicated to breaking down the entire Van Halen catalog one track at a time. And the podcast will rock. Ow! Hello, baby! What is up, all you rockers, rockets, and everything in between? You have joined us for a new edition of And the Podcast Will Rock. We are the show that dives into the catalog, the discography of one of the greatest rock and roll bands of all time, Van Halen. One track at a time. I am your co-host, Mark Kamire. With me, as always, Corey Morissette. Corey, have you ever been to Florida in August? I've never been to Florida, period. I'm I'm from the frozen wasteland of Saskatchewan, so uh, you'll have to tell us about Florida. I will just tell you that in August, it is uh, the hottest. So, uh, you know, be cautious. If you don't do well in the heat, I don't recommend going to Florida in August. But what I do recommend is this. You know, we we talk a lot on this show about the sort of things about uh, that we're fans. We're simple fans. We're enthusiasts of this band that we talk about, Van Halen, much like our listeners. But oftentimes we have been met with the discourse of we don't know what the hell we're talking about. We're because we're not experts. Like, how dare you guys have a Van Halen podcast and not be historic experts on the band? How dare you? I mean, we we have had so many emails and tweets at us about this sort of thing and so i we always feel the need to clarify on the show hey you know what we're not experts you guys we're not we're, we're just fans we're just happy fans to talk about a band we like but every once in a while our show gets uh let's say validated when we do have someone who is uh let's say an expert on this band and by expert i mean they know their stuff they write about it they talk about it they interview the band they interview uh people involved and that is no exception with our guest today Corey. today we have i'll just go ahead and say a uh a historian a uh, an expert on the band itself and why do i say that because he's an author he is an author of bands like Van Halen Rising, How a Southern California Backyard Party Band Saved Heavy Metal, and a book on Ted Templeman himself. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show author Greg Renoff. Greg, how are you today? Uh, I'm fantastic after that introduction. I mean, I, I need that as like, I don't know, my ringtone or like, I like my motivation <laughs> alarm in the morning. That's like fantastic. I appreciate that great welcome. I'm doing great. Looking forward to doing this with you guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, yeah, we'll have Corey uh, send that soundbite to you so you can use it anytime. <laughs> and ever since I, I we started this show, I said, oh, it'd be so amazing if we can get like Greg Runoff on the oh, show yeah. because he, he literally wrote the book on the early days of Van Halen, one of the most compelling. I read a lot of rock biographies, and um, usually in the rock biography, they kind of gloss over maybe the, the formative years of the band to get into the interesting stuff, uh, where this is an entire book on the formative years of the band right. and it's just well that was the interesting stuff how could yeah. you gloss over it? that's the interesting stuff well, I mean, exactly. it's all interesting but that was like a lot of interesting stuff well and they didn't exactly have you. they didn't exactly have a meteoric rise in the early days either right they played a lot of dive bars and backyard parties before they finally uh, caught their big break 
Yeah, that was one of the fun things about writing the book was that there was, you know, there was this sort of long run up from when Roth joins in 73 to the getting the deal in 77. And then they really don't, you know, become a huge band until the middle of 78. So there was a big, basically five years from, you know, they were sort of climbing. They had a record deal in 77, obviously, but it sort of become like rising stars, so to speak, nationally. They went from uh, in 1978 when they opened for Journey. They had 30 minutes and they they went on at 7.30, you know, basically but like the doors open and like nobody's in there playing, you know, until a few months later, they're playing at Anaheim Stadium and stealing the show. So, yeah, it was a fun book to write. I appreciate the kind words. And, uh, yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> I mean, that's like, that's the compelling, that was all compelling. I mean, like, can't skip over that. Oh, God, though. And what, one of my favorite stories was actually how David Lee Roth even got in the band because he auditioned a couple times and the brothers rejected him outright because he couldn't sing, but he had a PA and they got sick of renting the PA from him. Is that right? So they just <laughs> let him into the band so they could use the free PA? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I think they also recognized that, uh, you know, he had a certain charisma and a certain ability to do things that Eddie couldn't do as a front man, that Eddie wasn't really cut out to sing and be a front man and play guitar. And so, you know, there was a there was that great moment in the book where uh, one of Eddie's friends is kind of giving Eddie some crap about like you basically that you ruined your band by letting Dave in because um, this this guy and some, a lot of their, their a lot of their friends liked the the old the original mammoth better when Eddie sang and they were like what are you talking about we need this guy you know sort of Alec, Eddie sort of standing up for Dave and sort of telling this guy like you you know you don't understand we need this and so um, I thought that was kind of a the beginning of that push and pull you know that sort of like you know well he may not be the perfect fit for us in terms of like a dude we want to hang out with all the time but not, you know they recognize there's a certain thing that he brings to the to the table that's important for the, the band to be successful. You finally kind of shed some light on the whole Gene Simmons involvement uh, yeah. with early Van Halen, and you know, did he really try to poach Eddie for, for, uh, for Kiss? And I, I imagine we're not ever going to know the the whole story, but you, you really shed a lot of light on that whole situation. I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, I think the thing is, like at the end of the day, I don't, you know, I don't think Eddie and Alex would have <laughs> would have joined, you know, joined Kiss, and I think that's all sort of like post you know, uh, retrospective look back to sort of like to be make for interesting stories. I mean, I think, I think it, it, I always, I think I mentioned in the book, the possible that Gene kind of wanted them to be like his like songwriting part, you know, like, like, Oh, we can, I, these guys can write songs with me. They're so talented. Maybe, you know, maybe he thought that um, these guys don't get it. Make, you know, ma you know, make it 78, you know, maybe Gene's like thinking like, Oh, they're still hanging around Pasadena. Their record flopped. They can help me write songs or whatever. You know, I could see that that maybe being part of the deal, but, yeah, I never really, I never personally never really bought that, that idea. And I don't, and I think even Gene sort of, you know, later on, he said, like Eddie said, he wanted to join Van Halen in 1981, which is a whole nother sort of, uh, I would say less than credible idea, but you know, that um, the, uh, the whole notion that he was trying to, that Dave thought, but you know, I think it's real. Dave said in his book, I mean, it is real. He mentioned in his book that he thought that Gene was trying to like basically pull the brothers away from him. But I don't, I think that, you know, that was probably more paranoia on Roth's part than anything else. But um Yes, it's uh, yeah, that's it's really is interesting that whole thing uh, about thinking about the fact that Gene couldn't get them a record deal basically in you know in November of 76, 70, you know, December 76, and then just a couple months later they get to deal with Warner Brothers. That's amazing. I wonder how much uh, weight that guy put on after eating his words saying, uh, you know, he ruined the band by adding David Lee Roth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, know? I mean. There was a, it was a, but that was a thing. I mean, that was the thing that was interesting too in doing the research for the book and talking to these locals from Pasadena who kind of grew up seeing these, seeing Dave and his, his Red Ball Jet Band and seeing Mammoth. You know, there was definitely a, 
it was like whatever flavor you sort of like. Dave had a you know different sort of following at that point in time, and they were rivals. The bands were rivals. It was sort of like, oh, this band sucks. You know, this band sucks, and it's, you know, Dave had his own little tribe, which was smaller, but Mammoth and Mammoth had a bigger a bigger following. But again, we understand this is like we we're talking about high school bands, but you know, the idea that you it would be like you know it'd be like I don't know like well I guess with the age of free agency it's not quite the same thing, but like you know you're the most hated rival and you're the team sort of joining your team, and you're just like, well. How, how could you do this? How could you let this person who was our, you know, basically the guy we used to make fun of or the guy we didn't like or the guy we thought like they're not as good as you or he's not as good as you guys. And now you're letting him join your band, that type of thing. But yes, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, Dave proved, Dave proved everybody wrong. I mean, everybody. I got to ask Greg, uh, as a Van Halen fan, do you have a favorite era? Is it the Sammy era? Is it the, the Dave era? Is it the Gary era? Yeah, I'm a Dave. I'm a Dave guy. That's what I sort of that was my entry point into Van Halen was the uh, 1984 album. Uh, I saw that tour. And, uh, you know, but I, I, I always say to people, I, you know, I, I spent more time seeing, you know, I saw more, I saw them more times with with Sammy. And I obviously my sort of fandom as a as a high schooler into college lasted more years as you know, through through Sammy, um, because I didn't really, you know, I didn't discover and become a big fan of Van Hill until 1984. Um, mm. And so, you know, I, I, you know, I might at least have some fun with that on Twitter, but I don't have any particular, like, you know, I'm not like a Dave of the grave type of guy. I'm just, that's not my, you know, there are people who that's their, their thing. And um, they feel very passionate about that. And there's a couple, there are some people who are like, you know, I, I know a couple of people, I won't mention their names who are super pro Sammy who, um, you know, or like, I mean, you know, obviously like outwardly, like just take this, uh, disdainful of Roth and that's sort of like the other aspect of it but um you know and you know and the Gary stuff I you know I was actually it's funny I was living in Boston I was going to graduate school um in 1997 98 when 98 when uh Van Halen 3 hit and I loved Without You and Heard of the Radio I was super excited about the the album coming out and stuff like that so um so yeah I mean you know there's, there's stuff I like more than other stuff I mean and if you're asking me if I'm put like two albums in front of me you can listen to this album for the next six months it's going to be, you know, fair warning or 5150. I'm going to pick fair warning, but you know, it's not like I like, you know, I'm like religiously only like invested in one era. I was going to say <laughs> the people that say, are, they, they, they let us know repeatedly. If we praise yes, a Sammy song, the anti Sammy people come out and tell us how much we suck. And then if we praise a Dave song, the anti Dave people come out and tell well, us how much we suck. This is, you know, this is a whole nother topic. We could go on on this, this, this tangent forever, but I, I would just say it's very strange because it's like, I, I don't think anybody, I mean, today it's still like, I guess it still goes on in the Sabbath world, but it doesn't seem like there was as much like ferocity to it. Like where it's like, I'm pro Ronnie James Dio. I hate Ozzy or, you know, vice versa. Um, I don't spend enough time on, you know, Sabbath fans message boards or whatever, like following Sabbath Twitter or whatever to see what the the thing is. But I, I suspect there's a lot more generalized acceptance. Like, Oh, the Tony Martin album isn't my favorite, but it's not like, I hate Tony Martin because he's not Ozzy or something like that. I mean, it's right. kind of a given, right? It's like it's just different. Yeah, yeah, they're uh, they're they're pretty chill about the uh, the, the Black Sabbath of it all. You know, the the metal fans anyway, because right. it's like you're you're either gonna say yeah you hate Ozzy, which well, why would you say that? You know, and then right. or you're gonna say you hate Dio, and why in the blue hell would you say that? So, <laughs> right, right, you know, right. But of course, and and Corey brings it up because we not- notably myself included, I've I have said. Though I love the Roth era, I would say if I'm picking singers, like I've always been uh, more of a Sammy guy, mm-hmm. just in the terms of technical sing- singing of it all. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't know. I, I feel like a lot of Sammy songs have uh, uh, 
some of them are, uh, or at least I originally thought were better written. I've kind of come around on that as we've explored this the show and we've we've done, we've you know, dove into the lyrics and a lot of the content of, of some of Sammy's songs. It's like, well, you got me on that one. I was looking for a microphone. I say I have a magnifying glass somewhere around. I was going to be like, whenever they were examining this more closely, it doesn't quite hold up the scrutiny. It's it's true. It's a, but you know I've. Often I have come around on that since, and uh, right. I've come around on right. Roth's l- lyrics as well. Not all right. of it is right. pop zoobity doop. You know, it's actually right. he's, he's got he's got some uh, some substantial material in there. You just right. have to have to listen for it. Well, it's it's easy to forget. Not everything uh, an individual thinks is the greatest thing ever at sixteen is necessarily going to like sustain <laughs> their whole life. You know, it's like you know there might be a nostalgia factor, but you might look back at it and go, oh yeah, maybe I maybe I didn't quite hear it the way I'm hearing it now. Something like that. So that's fine. Very, good. very good point. Um, but uh, so moving on, though, and sort of in that vein, uh, we have a segment on the show where we go back and we uh, take a look at the polls. We put up a poll uh, every week discussing uh, the song that we just talked about, and we ask the audience, uh, is the particular track what dreams are made of or is the dream over? Last week, Corey, uh, what did the poll say about the song Stay Frosty? Yes, last week we did Stay Frosty off A Different Kind of Truth, and the poll was 82.5% what dreams are made of, 17.5% this dream is over. So another one, overwhelmingly uh, positive. Uh, I'm still shocked uh, that we get as many negative votes as we do, because Stay Frosty is, uh, in my opinion, one of the best tracks off of A Different Kind of Truth, which is very quickly becoming one of my favorite Van Halen albums. Well, there you go. Um, yeah, I'm, you know, it's got, you got those pro Sammy people spamming the poll. <laughs> it's gotta be. I I wish I have to see if I could find it. You guys may have seen this. There's somebody did a Photoshop like right when <laughs> different kind of truth came out, and it was like Sammy was holding, obviously holding something. I don't know. It was a CD, maybe his own CD, and he looked like had just like a shock look on his face, and they did Photoshop a different kind of truth in there. And so it was like <laughs> Sammy. I I think I still have it on my. Tw- if I, I'm sure I tweeted it. I don't know if I could find the picture again. But if you ask people, they'll remember it. It's like very very funny. It's like like this whole this whole holy crap look on your face, like they actually did an album without me. Kind of like it's very funny. <laughs> so it's the Sammy people. There, there's your 18. percent There you the go. <laughs> we all we thought it was the cult of Mariana this whole time. It was just Sam, the Sammy folks. I got the Sammy it. folks. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but if you want, I'll go through a few of the uh, comments here that people put on the poll. Sure. There, there is a, there's a few I would love to hear you uh, read right. off. Our good friends from the Sean Geek and Fast Fat podcast said, "Oh my God, this is so good!" And that ending, damn. Give the props to Wolfie on arranging this one. He and Uncle Alex. We always hear about how much Eddie had playing with the son, or how much fun Eddie had playing with the son. But you have to believe Alex dug it as well. Uh, I so, believe uh, so. I would too, yeah. Uh, Airhead says, so much to love. The heaviness, hindsight after the masterpiece of uh, uh, the Mammoth WVH debut. You can hear Wolf's fingerprints all over this one. The complex 6-8 meter, it jumps in and out of the rhythm section throughout and Wolf's bass on the ending. Ed solos and yes, Dave's lyrics all get a thumbs up from uh, Airhead 3. Uh, Kevin Brown uh, from the uh, Tom Petty Project um, thought musically it's probably the best song post-Hagar for me. A couple of hugely problematic lyrics in it though. Uh, that we kind of had to point out last week. Yeah. Uh, just kind of lazy stereotyping, but an absolute banger musically. Eddie in top, top form. Uh, absolutely agree with him there. Uh, Gene says an absolute banger, plain and simple. will definitely be blasting a different kind of truth for the next couple of days. That's a good way to be. I tend to do Gene that Simmons? after we spin one of those. Was that oh, no. Gene Simmons? It, it wasn't Gene Simmons, <laughs> yeah, he, unfortunately. He's a frequenter of our show, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he loves our show. 
We talk about them often. Uh, here's one that was kind of uh, Michael Green says, when I first started to listen, I was like, uh-huh, didn't really want another ice cream man too. Uh, Dave was talking instead of singing. I almost went, the dream is over, but in the end, it caught fire, and I remembered why I like the song. So overall, it's what dreams are made of. Look at that. Swayed old nice. Michael Green. Yeah. Uh, my favorite comment comes from the account uh, False Premise, who says, if you voted Dream is Over, just cancel your VH fan club membership now. There it is. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, that false, he, false premise, he's, a, he's a strong fan. Yeah. Shout out to False Premise. I, I, Absolutely. He's, 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 he keeps it, keeps it real on Twitter. Yep. <laughs> uh, and finally, uh, Tom says, we need a middle option. The Roth of it all knocks it out of made of status, but Eddie, Uncle Alan Wolfie elevated to over. So there, there's kind of a middling review on that one. but uh, Yeah, yeah. Those were there the comments are. on the poll this week. Comments on the poll, not too bad. Every Pretty civil, pretty civil. So uh, yeah. there you are. Uh, <laughs> I would say 82% of you. I was like, uh, delete right. your account. You guys are terrible. <laughs> <laughs> hey, sometimes reported. it gets crazy. In these Blocked comments. and reported to Apple Podcasts. <laughs> One star, one star, one star. Uh, oh, we we had that. We had a guy. Uh, we had like a small listenership, and then Eric Senich from the Van Halen News Desk did a story on our show. Yeah, and then our our numbers went through the roof. Like one week, we were actually awesome. top five on Apple Podcasts uh, for music yeah. commentary. We beat Eddie Trunk for Christ's sake. And then, uh, but one guy uh, said, "I don't want to blast you guys, but." And then he wrote a three-page letter explaining how much we suck in very, very fine point detail on every single thing we ever said wrong in like 10 episodes up to that point. So he didn't want to blast us, but then he but proceeded he didn't want to, to blast, blast us. us. Yeah. yeah. He's like, did you just check your Yelp reviews? He's like, these guys are terrible. Oh, he gave us a two. He didn't go one star. He gave us a two. So. At least a two. Because you, know, so you know, like when you go on Yelp, you know, like you go yeah. on Yelp and they'll say, is this your business or whatever? You guys are going but like, and you're behind the podcast for Rocky. But like, well, what? And they were like, just, they were like all these negative reviews. Yeah. <laughs> do not check our Yelp reviews, people. Don't nope. do it. That's where the real hate comes in. That's oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> Those non-rock historians, they suck. <laughs> but fortunately, yeah. fortunately, the, the assholes, I think, have dropped off now. They don't listen to us anymore. Right. And all the folks that right. do are in for a treat tonight because Greg Runoff is going to elevate this show. Our 40th, 40th episode. Not Mark. so far. <laughs> <laughs> There's nowhere to go That's but right. up. Exactly. That's right. 40 episodes. Our uh, our podcast has turned middle age. It's aging well. Uh, so with that being said, I, I... Oh, well, thank you. Thank you, Dave. Uh, 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 with that being said, I think it's time to uh, to enter the domain of the wheel uh greg you can confirm to the listeners that the wheel is in fact real we still have people that uh aren't convinced or maybe it's a bit i don't know but <laughs> i think it's like bigfoot or something like that like you're going to like the like, sci-fi channel think, be like is the wheel real we're gonna look good tonight <laughs> I, I think they just want to question our authenticity there's yes like, there's, there's a no way. way they're just randomly picking songs like <laughs> no there's a wheel there it is you gotta put the little like the little, you know below me like greg Renoff says the wheel is real i mean i saw it it was out there. there. It go. was real. It was I only had two real. <laughs> Greg believes it was. Real. It was red it. and white and black, just like the Van Halen number, just like they said. There it is. Colors of Van Halen. It's real. You I don't care what anyone grows. says. Exactly. <laughs> I tell you, every there guest we have that comes on the show, though, they go, "We don't really spin a wheel, do we?" You're going to tell me the song <laughs> so I can prepare for it. I'm like, no. We really should, I take a picture, should I take a picture of Tesla on Twitter? I'll be like, you know, like, oh, we'll keep the mystery. That way we can, that way they, they, people can discredit me too. 
Let, there you go. <laughs> he's in, the he's in on the grow. he's in he's on in the conspiracy. On <laughs> that's right. We we roped Greg Renoff in all this. That's that's, that's how right. far we've gone, and we'll keep going further until that's you how all deep the rabbit hole goals. Yeah. <laughs> yes. To hell with the cult of Mariano. We've got like the wheel. Oh. But uh, but before we spin it, I always like to ask if there is a, a particular song uh, or maybe mm. a, a particular album that you want to manifest oh. so that for, for the wheel to spin. So do you have anything in mind in particular, Greg? I'd love something from Diver Down. And if it hits Diver Down, you know, they're going to say the wheel's not real. There's no coincidences. <laughs> I mean, look, at, Corey mentioned to you earlier that uh, uh, Eric Sinich, friend of the show, when he called his shot. He called Cabo Wabo, and we spun Cabo Wabo through all. I mean, be, I don't know. I don't know what he did, who he prayed to, or what he had to sacrifice in order to make that happen. But the wheel was nice to, to Eric. Maybe I'm looking. There's something like eight, 81 songs on 81. the wheel. Yep. 81. Okay. 81, yeah. Okay, which how many did you guys start with? Uh, well, this is show forty, so I guess Mark, do the math. You're the okay. Every single you guys did okay. So there are 121 songs. So you guys did a yep. show every song every show. Okay. Yep. Yeah, and uh, if there is a uh, an instrumental track that precedes uh, the song that we spin, we'll we'll play that just you know for fun. Yeah, we add it on. Yeah. Um, so we do that. All right. So uh, something from Diver Down, Corey. Do you have something in particular you want to manifest for tonight's show? I tell you, Diver Down would be great. That's probably our least represented album so far in 39 episodes. We've only done Happy Trails uh, off Diver Down, so we are due. But um, I have been jonesing for a debut album track for a long time. I really want to hear some Feel Your Love tonight. That's kind of what I'm hoping okay. for. Oh, man. That would be fun. Yep, I echo your sentiments. We talked about it earlier off air. Uh, yeah, I, I want to hear some Van Halen 1. I think it's time. Um, specifically, uh, my favorite track off that album ain't talking about love i would not be mad about that uh we've got so many hits left that we haven't spun yet we keep going into the uh kind of the <laughs> the sort of deep dive uh tracks or right. you know the wheel just wants us to get rid of uh van halen 3 right away because they're <laughs> we just we just keep spinning it um maybe i don't know maybe gary's in on this uh whole conspiracy i'm not sure uh <laughs> apologies to gary once again but uh yeah I'm going to manifest something from Van Halen 1. So let's right. see what we got. So uh, without further ado, if you guys are ready, if uh, if old Sammy back there is ready, the wheel is primed, it's going, it's ready to be spun, and we will spin as soon as Sammy says we're ready to go. All right. Oh, Oh, geez, we're so close. A little more, a little more, a little more. I can't wait oh to feel God. your love tonight. Wow. You did it. You did it, Van Halen. I one. called the shot. You, you yeah. did it. <laughs> Look at that. Oh, feel awesome your love song. tonight. I am How so about happy. that? That is awesome. You that is now twice. Shot. Twice in 40 episodes, somebody called the shot. Yeah. It's going to be a, this is going to be a good episode. I feel it. I, I feel the energy. All right, uh, Mark, your nice recollections on this one uh, be, before we get rolling here? Oh my God. I mean, this is, this is one of those many tracks that I can recall just uh, hearing on the radio at nauseum, but never getting sick of it. Uh, you know, I'm either taking a road trip with my parents. I'm in the backseat. They're blasting uh, classic rock or whatever. And Van Halen comes on. Chances are you're probably going to hear about five or six other tracks from Van Halen before this one. 
But when this one would come on, it was fun. It was exciting. And, you know, it, the the uh, the nice harmonies involved in this song really speak to the uh, the choir boy at heart uh, in, in within me. So a um, lot of a lot of fond memories. And it's from uh, probably my favorite Van Halen album. So, yes, I look upon this with great fondness. How about you? Well, I'm sure uh, I can't. Greg can give us like the entire history uh, of this song because this was on uh, the uh, the Warner Brothers demos, wasn't it, Greg? Yeah, it was actually. This is the one that they uh, they probably wrote in late 1976. Um, but it, yeah, by by uh, the spring in April when they did the demo with Ted Temple, and then it was on there. Yep. Awesome. And uh, what are your thoughts uh, before we get started here? Uh, just uh, feel your love tonight. Was that a standout on this album for you, or? I mean, yeah. I mean, I think the whole first album is pretty is pretty much greatness from front to back, and I don't think that's like super controversial thing to say. I mean, I think it's pretty much pretty much. Wait till the reviews come in. Universally accepted that uh, you know Van Halen one is one of the top you know top debut albums among rock bands of our era. Um, you know, there's we can go through the 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 usual suspects, Led Zeppelin one, Appetite for Destruction, Boston, such and such. I think Van Halen's always going to be in that conversation of that um that list if you want a top five, top ten, whatever it is. And so um, you know, when you have an album like that, there's uh there's not going to be a lot of filler on it. And this definitely is, you know, an example of an album that in my estimation, I mean I guess it depends how you define filler, but really it's a front to back album. I mean there's not like, yeah. you know, it's not like like Appetite for Destruction, you're not going to be like you you might skip songs if you want to, but you can obviously sit there and there's not like any songs that are like this song is horrible. You know you're gonna fucking go through it. So great great yeah. album. So yeah, I love this song. It's, I have a lot of things to say about this song uh, as we get into it. Awesome. So what do you say? Uh, let's waste no more time and get into "Feel Your Love Tonight" from let's Van Halen One, released uh, February tenth, nineteen seventy eight. Real quick, I just wanted to. You know, I love gushing about Ted Templeton uh, in his productions. Uh, there's so much, there's so much space in this track. Like everything has room to breathe, and and everything sounds so nice and clean. This is really just a well mixed, well produced album. Yeah, I mean, I think when I listen to this song, a lot of times I hear Ted's like voice in my head of things he had said to me. One of the things he said to me the first few times we heard the song together, he's like, "Listen to Ed. He's like an effing metronome. He's like." Who, you know, just how like how he was always on. He was just um, Ted was always just so amazed at how precise his meter was when he played and talked about this riff where it was just like it's so syncopated and it's so, you know, it's so tight the way he played it. Um, so that's one thing that immediately it comes to mind. But yeah, the um, you know, it's interesting too to think about the production here that um, obviously by by fair warning, they've sort of evolved away from the the guitar on one side the bass on the other, the vocals across this. And so you sort of hear have more like, it's more, um, um, it's less of a, a pan stereo separation. And so uh, they're very, they're kind of different flavors, but yeah, I mean, I think um, I know after the fact I've read that Alex and Eddie were sort of like, um, what would I say? I don't want to say disappointed, but we're expecting this, this album to sound more like a Led Zeppelin album when they want, like they were, I guess they were talking to, you know, Ted and Don, and they're like, we want it to sound like Led Zeppelin too, or something like that. And it didn't really, 
sound like that to them, obviously, which is good because if it sounded like Led Zeppelin too, we'd be like, how dumb is it that they just, you know, they tried to imitate Led Zeppelin, you know, the, the mix or whatever. Um, but I think, like you said, the sound and the production, uh, so many, so many things to, to say about it, the way, um, the harmonies, particularly how powerful they are when they come on in, uh, throughout the song, obviously the guitar sound, which is the, which is the legendary thing. But, um, yeah, it sounds like, I don't think I'm saying anything profound. It sounds like guys playing together in a room, which really it, it was, I mean, that was the way they recorded the basic tracks was that Eddie, Alex and Mike were in one room. Dave was in a vocal booth right next door. Like, like literally like, you know, like through a piece of glass looking at them and they, they played together, you know, and that's how they did the basic tracks. And so it comes through in the music. It just sounds like a group rather than sort of a, you know, an disembodied set of guys playing music together. Yeah. It, it does sound very clean as you say, Corey. And I, I don't know if uh, anyone other than Ted can really, uh, capture the sort of uh mood and magic that uh, you listen when you listen to van halen and and the quality of the recording really really cooks really smokes and and works ted's usually behind it at least so far in our journey what we've discovered uh and i don't know i yeah i just don't i don't know if anybody else could just quite capture them the way he could uh and it's no exception even in the uh this debut album it was it was meant to be So get ready for this next little background vocal fill. And I didn't, I don't think I noticed this until after I finished the book or, and maybe somebody said it to me or I noticed it myself. Um, there's a very Beatlesque little flare here when you listen to how they, I think it's this one that's coming up when they, at the end of like where they go, I'll let, I'll let it play, you'll hear there's like a little Beatles thing, which, um, is the really the only time they do this on the album? But when you hear it, I think you'll you'll if you think about the early Beatles songs and the way they did their harmonies, um, you'll you'll hear it. I'll point I'll point again when it comes on. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> what do you thought about that? If you hadn't pointed heard, it out, yeah, yeah, I've heard the song hundreds of times. I I, I don't recall that. Yeah, that's very much a "She Loves You" uh, woo uh, yep. from Van yep. Halen there. This is the this is the part right up coming up here with a very vivid memory of sitting with Ted and Ted going listen to this because he was just like it's just so like the riff and he means with Alex too he means with the whole thing but he's like it's so dead on it's like and then no click track you when they recorded this record I don't I don't think they ever used a click track on the first six albums at all meaning there was nothing like there was no for people who don't know I know you guys know but like for people listening maybe don't know there's nothing in Alex's headphones or anyone else's headphones setting the tempo going tick like a metronome going tick 
tick so they would not get off time. So it's all from the guys playing together. But this is the part coming up where Ted was just like, it's, was amazed at how, you know, again, being a guy who made records with so many different people, how Eddie was very, very special in this sort of maybe underappreciated way with that that aspect. It's just, I only think of this because this is what Ted talked about one uh, a couple of times with me with this song and listening to it. That's what he wanted to remark on, the riff and how, how uh, Ed was so dead on it. That's amazing. And at this point, like the band were a pretty well-old machine. Like they were playing yeah. a lot uh, yeah. in the years leading up to this. Do you know how, like, Feel Your Love Tonight was on those original demos? Do you know how old that song actually was? I, you know, I, like I was saying, I think they probably wrote it in um, in 1976 in the late summer. There was a period of time, um, right around the time they probably ran into Gene Simmons, um, that they, and the, some of those songs um, from that demo, well, the songs, the, most of the songs from the Gene Simmons demo, I'd say were probably a little bit older vintage. So that would have been in um, October, November of 76. When they, they were um, home, they wrote songs like Atomic Punk, around that time um, that may have been a little bit later but feel your love tonight that was another one that was a later a later vintage song obviously something like running with the devil um went back further ice cream man was something they had been doing david done way back and that was another one um so um little dreamer was probably another one they wrote around that time so those would have been the songs that sort of um just kind of before they met templeman they were sort of had were sort of hitting up um sort of a very very uh rich period of, of songwriting so i think i think again don't quote me on this but i think that this song was probably like a fall 76 song cool i'm quoting you on that you're the expert you know everything <laughs> leave your comments in the reviews but don't blame these guys <laughs> Okay, Mark, uh, you're a musician. I see you smiling there and everything Greg said. Just, yeah, the, that metronome timing the, with the harmonies and everything. Like, That's on. what I was in my in my brain. I was sort of kind of putting myself into the feel of what that's like. And uh, it's just it's so smooth. He's so clean with the riff, like despite the fact that it's dirty, so to speak, because it's mm -hmm. distorted. Uh, but but the way he's just he's playing, um, it, it's not sloppy. It's not all over the place it's very very much mechanical without feeling like it's too robotic right. if that makes exactly. any sense exactly um if you were to tell me that they i mean i might have believed that they weren't playing to a click track but when you just flat out tell me honestly like there was no click track this is just uh eddie's rhythm this is just how he is it's like i shouldn't be shocked by it at this point of uh you know, during our journey with uh, van halen and the way uh we've just we we kind of see how Eddie has evolved throughout the years uh, in his playing, and then uh, versus this debut album and everything. And uh, yeah, that's just I don't know, man. It's it's just amazing when you really think about having it. Bear in mind uh, that he's he's just doing this all from feel, and that's not easy to do. And to maintain this is the consistency that's really kind of gorgeous uh, with the way he's playing that riff and then uh yeah you throw in the harmonies with everybody else uh big shout out to mike with that high harmony it's my favorite oh yeah i love it we love talking oh, yeah. about it and yeah and that's the other the other thing i would i would mention while we're talking about the harmonies and those guys had such a great ability with harmonies and one of the great stories that i was really glad to spotlight in the book is that um marshall burrell who ended up managing them in 1978 
um, was the guy who called Ted Templeman. Marshall was at the time in February 1977 booking the whiskey. Whiskey. So Marshall had, you know, Marshall had been an agent for uh, William Morris and done some other stuff in the industry. He was the nephew of Milton Berle, but he was actually um, at the Whiskey of Go Go. The whiskey had reopened after being closed for a bit, and he was helping bring these bands in. And they sort of like launched this new whiskey with punk bands and new wave bands. And, uh, you know, Van Halen was playing there and he called Ted. And uh, one of the things he said to Ted is like, you know, you got a real aptitude with harmonies. I think you're going to like these guys. These guys that really can sing, like they can do some real cool singing stuff. And Ted, um, one came down and heard them. And, you know, that's one of the things that obviously was a good fit. You have a guy who, mm-hmm. as a producer, who had been in a band called Harper's Bazaar, which was a sunshine pop band in the late 60s and had, that was their specialty with his, he was in these groups that did these types of like um, three-part harmonies um, and sang these um, melodies that were, um, you know, quite well, like thought out. These songs were very vocal oriented. They were very, very thought. They're not instrumental. It wasn't like an instrumental thing. It was like a vocal thing. Right. And so you put the, these guys who already have these great vocal chops and have already kind of like worked that into their, their presentation where they're, singing the keyboard parts, singing the horn parts on these songs. When they do Motown songs, they, you know, that's what they're doing to sort of fill in the, the missing instrument. Oh, we don't have an organ. So we'll sing the heart sing the organ sing part. It, sing it. Yeah. Um, and then you put them with Ted Templeman who already had this knack for it from working with the Doobie brothers too. Obviously he had that long, you know, he had already had a very successful track record as a producer working with a group of doobies that had so many, um, you know, quite elaborate vocal arrangements. It was just like, you can hear this perfect, perfect fit. Like I can hear Ted sort of coming in and polishing up being like, Oh, this is great. Let's do this too. And like, sort of like, you know, kind of switching some stuff up, but basically taking the what's there and sort of polishing it, which is what a producer should do. Absolutely. Here's something else that I never really sort of like. I, maybe I should have harped on this in the in the Van Halen Rising, but that uh, that ship has sailed. So we'll let that stand as is. But um, you know, um, you know, Roth had this uh, lyrical uh, theme that he he played up. You know, like that he like you know you know he we as we know Roth came from a, a fairly prosperous family, especially by this time his father was doing fairly well and. Um, you know, the sort of like, I, you know, like all I've got, I had to steal, beg and borrow and all this stuff. And in this song, it's like, he's like, it's like channeling Springsteen. He's like, you know, I've been working since 10 and nine. I'm like, I'm not sure that Dave had been up at 10 and nine working a job. And like, you know, maybe, I'm sure he did when he was maybe in high school or maybe he had like a, you know, his job at the Staples River. I'm pretty sure in 1977 or 76, Dave was not like, oh, gotta get up, get my lunchbox, go punch the clock, you know, but it's great. It's like, that's like sort of like, you know, he's like, you know, that's what we want. We want the song because you get the relatable song, you know, it's like, yeah. so the average guy who was like, you know, wants to be out with his girl and drink some beers and drive down the street and, uh, you know, cruise and stuff and have a great time on a Friday night. This is the, this is the song. And so, you know, I tip my hat today for sort of pulling that off in the song, but if you listen to it, you're like, oh yeah, you know, I've, I've been working, I've, it's just, you know, you know, you know, so it's, it's like, that's, it's like the sort of, you know, the average teenager, average working class guy who hears this or whatever, you're like, yeah, you know, I worked my crappy job at the gas station. Now I'm going to go pick up my girl. We're going to go ride around and drink beers and have a great time. I guess the lyric, I finally woke up about quarter past three, just didn't work. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> got to speak to the common man and the common exactly man exactly just like springsteen you could be living in a mansion but you got to speak to the common man yeah exactly 
don't know if I'm supposed to interject this much. Yes. But that's what you get from you guys. <laughs> you so, you um, absolutely should. You know, uh, I, I really, you know, it's just so damn catchy. It's so, yes. so catchy um, with the harmonies. And it's just like, how could you not? It's just a great pop song. It, you know, again, it's a hard rock, pop rock, whatever you want to say, heavy metal, you know, pop metal, whatever it is. It's just a great, great, great song. And I'll tell you the other thing that really comes to mind when I listen to this is just um, how they, you know, Don and Ted really brought Mike's little bass fills up there. Like you can hear it a couple, you know, like this album is sort of notorious for being like, there's not a lot of bass on it. Mike didn't, you know, Mike, um, you know, it seems like none of the guys really like at the end of the day, like loved, loved the mix maybe. Um, but that you can hear a couple of where they, Mike does these little, like little fills with the bass where he's sort of running up the neck at, at that point in time. And that, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's cool to hear that for all of the sort of like, Oh, you know, Mike doesn't bring much to the table except vocals and stuff like that. You can hear those little bass fills that they sort of, they highlighted in the mix. They push the faders up right there to get that to kind of come, come through right there. Really cool. I want to ask you this, Greg, because uh, I've tweeted a, a bunch of your stuff throughout the years, and you named your book Van Halen Rising, How a Southern California Backyard Party Band Saved Heavy Metal. And I've mm -hmm. had a bunch of dickheads on Twitter say, Van Halen aren't heavy metal. And here, we're talking about uh, Feel Your Love Tonight being like a, a power right. pop song. Right, what do you right. say to the guys who say they're not a heavy metal band? Right. So I would say anybody who says that isn't understanding the historical context and hasn't read the book. So I actually talk about that at great length. Um, Yes, I would generically agree that Van Halen, it's not like Judas Priest. They're not like Slayer. They're not like Venom. They're not like any other like heavy metal band <laughs> that we want to cover in that category. However, if anyone listening who's curious about this wants to go back and look at the cover of Cream Magazine, look at the cover of Circus Magazine, look at the cover of any of the rock magazines, look at, look at Rolling Stone. They talk about bands like Queen, Heart, Ted Nugent, Kiss, and yes, Van Halen as heavy metal. The meaning of heavy metal has evolved over time. Slayer didn't exist in 1976, right? Um, Exodus didn't exist in 1976. Lamb of God, Pantera did not exist when Van Halen came out. So yes, we would look back and say Van Halen is a hard rock band. Van Halen was most commonly called a heavy metal band in 1978. So that aspect of the title and that t discussion I had in the book was meant to say that there was a certain sound that was seen as outdated at the time, meaning like Black Sabbath, Deep Purple, Ted Nugent. There was this sense that this there was a new, literally a new wave of music sort of coming out of cities that was shorter songs, less guitar solos, um, more aggressive, drawn from the, the punk scene in, in the UK, which comes to New York, which goes to Chicago, goes to Los Angeles. And so there was a, a sense that this was dinosaur rock or heavy metal was dying. That's literally what the articles were written about. Heavy metal is heavy metal dying. So that's what I would say. And so if people want to be angry about that, they should definitely, out of all the things to be angry about in 2022 in the United States, you should definitely be angry that I called the book Saved Heavy Metal instead of <laughs> Saved Hard Rock or Saved Pop Metal or whatever, or like, you know, guitar-driven hard rock. I don't know what you want to call it. I, I don't, you know, whatever, pop metal, you know, Glam metal, hair metal, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and, <laughs> all all of those like uh all of those post Van Halen sort of metal bands that you named, your Panteras, your Lamb of Gods, would all cite Van Halen as a huge influence yeah, of right. their music too. Right. So it's like 
why are we splitting right. hairs here? Right. I mean, like, again, like, I don't know, like, um, str- you know, Stranglehold is not a, like when I listen to it, I'm not like, that's a, such a heavy song. Right. But like the idea of like, it was just like loud guitars. It was like a, it was a shorthand for sort of like arena rock, like overblown yeah. hard rock music. So, or whatever. Heavy, it was called heavy metal. I mean, they called heart heavy metal queen. I mean, that's, it, it, I have a cover of Cream Magazine. It's heavy metal dying. It's like, you know, again, so I guess I could have called them hard rock and said like all the people in 1978 have called them heavy metal. They're wrong. We need to ignore <laughs> what was said at the time and just sort of focus on, you know, it, it just, that's as a historian. I mean, I, I don't know what to say. I just, yeah. I mean, that's like a lot of people were very angry about that. They were very angry about that on Amazon reviews, Twitter, Facebook, very angry about that. And then, you know, yeah. you just, you try to tell them and explain like, you know, I understand your point. I do understand your point in 2020, 2016, 2015, we're not going to go around going like, you know, heavy heavy metal is defined by van halen um but you know it's okay they, they didn't read the book they want to be mad exactly <laughs> it's going to be okay everybody it's probably not for some people are so mad i mean for so, yeah for some people maybe not i tell you what when i'm in the mood for some heavy heavy metal first i put on some metallica and then i'm putting on dreamboat annie because nothing gets more metal than uh, magic exactly. Man. well that's the thing it's like really interesting <laughs> right it's like really interesting that sort of like that was sort of like catch-all it, you know and, and i'll say something else like if I wanted to, I mean, again, I'm just being uh, having fun with this, right? There were a number of reviews that called Van Halen a punk band in 1977. Like they were wow. like, new, or new, or new wave, new, new wave. Like sometimes punk, like from people who didn't know what, like, because no one really knew right. what punk was. Like it was like punk was new, and it's like they wear leather, they play loud. Okay, they're different than Devo, but we're not really sure as a reviewer how to explain that, and so like. Right. It's like the, everyone wants to force something into a category. And like as time goes on, right, this sort of things got re- reconsidered or um, dis- disconnect, uh, disassembled, basically. Like, yeah, again, we would we would have a different way of describing heart from Van Halen. Obviously, heart. Right. Obviously, Van Halen is closer to, quote unquote, heavy metal than heart is. But there was this sort of this sort of like it's arena rock. We don't know exactly what to call it. It's like it's sort of like Black Sabbath, but it's not. Obviously, Heart is different, but we're gonna call it all. We're gonna call Black Sabbath and Heart and Queen and Van Halen and Ted Nugent and Foghat heavy metal, or you know, again, or they sometimes would say like a oh, boogie rock, right? They would call Van Halen like warmed over boogie rock, which again, that's another boogie term rock. that's really that sort of like lost its meaning completely in 2022. But yeah, sorry, did I go off on a rant? You might want to edit. No, that. no, you 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 said it perfectly. <laughs> yeah. You said it and more eloquently than the I missing, could normally. It's like the Nixon tapes will be the missing 15 minutes or whatever. Like, what happened? <laughs> Greg's face turned red and then suddenly he was smiling. What happened? <laughs> That's like why that we Seth Meyers bit. Yeah, it's the Seth Meyers bit where he says, and another thing, and he goes off on his rant and then they have the crawl go up. At this point, Seth started ranting about. At this point, Greg Grunov started ranting about the meeting. Exactly. And, and why, why Ann Wilson is one of the greatest metal singers of all time. She is. She is. She is. Well, Barracuda, I mean, pretty amazing, actually. 100%. I have more to say. Good. <laughs> so one of the interesting things was I got to see the um, the tape uh, the tape boxes with the the track sheets 
which is say, you know, track two is bass, track three is guitar one, guitar two. Um, and I got to see those for this album, uh, which was really, really cool. There's a hand clap track, which you can kind of hear here if you listen, like during the, the I Can't Wait, the sort of like where we're like, not like I Can't Wait, when Eddie's like doing a solo, there's a hand clap track. And there was a tambourine recorded, which I don't think I, you know, I think it was never used. So it's like, yeah, we trust that idea. But like, you know, Ted is notoriously was like a percussion freak. He was always like, you know, lots of congas and like all the stuff on the Doobies records and everything. And, you know, he had probably had a tambourine that they ended up um, tossing out. The other thing I was going to mention here is that is really cool is this is one of those songs where they played it. Um, the take that they played, Eddie played the Robbie played the rhythm guitar, obviously with the band, with the guys, and then later went back and overdubbed the soul. This is one of those songs that has the mm -hmm. guitar rhythm track under it, so you can hear those like amazing chords he's playing behind it. And then he went back later and did the solo. One of the top rhythm and guitar shows, players of all yeah. time. I would, I think, I think that's right. Someone in the comments might get mad at me about that. I think that's right. I think that he, I, I don't think, I don't think he soloed and then went back to put the chords. And I think he, I think he played the rhythm track and then overdubbed the solo. If I'm wrong. I'll take uh, yeah, I'll take full responsibility for that one. That would be a screw up, but I, I think that's it, right. It sounded it sounded like the riffs were still going, um, based on the although it's 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 hard to hear it because that solo just rips and it rips yeah. hard. Yeah, so, so even, I think the, so I think you dubbed this solo. Yeah. 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 But uh, and I was listening to the bass because, like Greg pointed out, the bass is nice and high in the mix and a lot higher mm -hmm. than uh, we've heard uh, in a lot of early Van Halen that's stuff. So. Uh, you know, Van true. Halen one, yeah, you, you see, you still get, a, and there's some good shit in there too, and even maybe a little bit louder than than Alex in the mix too. Like the drums are nice and subdued here. Yeah, I think the thing about this record is that you know I kind of understand in retrospect why Alex would say like he wanted like you know the foreign lawful car knowledge, like he wanted a bigger, a more powerful drum sound. This is a this is a guy who's like lives and breathes John Bonham, and that's his like main main guy. And so yeah, the drum the drum. um sound on van halen one i don't think it's like uh, on this one particularly i mean i'd have to go listen through true track by track it's not super well defined it's not super powerful i mean i think it fits with the mix of the song and i think that i you know i wouldn't i wouldn't change anything at this point obviously the album sounds amazing but like you go back and listen to it and you go i can understand if i was a drummer why i would like to be able to hear my kick drum a little bit more or whatever you know Feel your love tonight from Van Halen one. Mark Kamire, let's start with you. Actually, you know what? For tonight, uh, I have a feeling I I know how the voting round is going to go. So on the count of three, everybody give me a thumbs up or thumbs down. I'm just going to play the clip because I think we're all in agreement here. Three, two, one. Oh. <laughs> We had to wait on Greg there. He was really uh, contemplating. I was just, I was just, yeah, I was yeah, just yeah. channeling. I was just channeling, <laughs> channeling my, uh, my one of my favorite uh, guests for Twitter. That you know, the, what's his name? Uh, Phoenix Joaquin Phoenix. Oh, Joaquin so, you Phoenix, know, he's yeah. like, he was oh, like, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah, it was thumbs up all the way. Um, God, the thing I thought about at the end too is that um, you know one of the Templeman's other 
trademarks as a producer. He did it on um, Blackwater with the Doobies, and it was done on his stuff with Harper's Bazaars, where you like drop all the instruments. And you just have to like the way the song ends, where they just do with the the harmonies there, the the vocals mm-hmm. at the end there, where there's like that's a kind of a Templeman trademark. You know what? I never really sort of like thought about that, but like that's yeah, that was that's where he. Um, he did that there with sort of like, yeah, like get all the instruments gone. And then just like, you just sort of like are left with that great, that great vocal. But, you know, something else Ted said, which we wrote about in the book, um, meaning I channeled what Ted told me, um, was that he really wanted Van Halen to be like, not, he wanted to be heavy at times. Like he's like, I want it with the devil. I thought it was like, it's like, it's, like, it's powerful. And, he, you know, Atomic Punk had this sort of edge to it, but he really wanted the whole vibe of the album to be like upbeat. He said he wanted to be like a sun-kissed Southern California thing, like a, a hard rock thing, but that was like upbeat and like positive. And like, this is like exhibit A of what he's talking about, right? It's like, you, you yeah, again, it's like, it's heavy metal, right? But it's like, the, the it's like about having a good time. It's not about like, oh, let's go like through the atmosphere and go up to space and maybe like crash into an asteroid or like, let's go on a crusade and get slaughtered by, you know, whatever, <laughs> you know, like all these like heavy metal, like, you know, these sort of like dark and, you know, dreary, like sort of Sabbathy themes, like all that stuff was sort of like, you know, cause like running with the devil is like about like basically like being powerful. Right. But it's not like, it's not like some sort of science fiction, sort of like, you know, you know, oh, we're at the castle wall and we're going to like break it down and fight the orcs or something like that. You know, it's like, you know, it's like, it's not Iron Maiden. <laughs> oh, right, right. And so yeah. this is such that when he talked about that, this is what he was referring to this sort of like, yeah, it has the great guitar solos and it's like super great, um, uh, great, powerful beat to it. But the like the vocal harmonies and the, the themes that we're talking about, it's very upbeat. That's why he didn't want things like, like for people who know the Van Halen demo, like Voodoo Queen. And some of the other stuff, he's like, he's not that he didn't think they were like, those songs had potential, but he's like, I wanted it to be heavy metal that would make you smile, basically, like for lack of a better term, like something that would be like, oh, it's like, you know, or like, you know, something that would be um, not like guy centric, for lack of a better term, maybe like he wanted it to be something that would have a pop appeal to it, that would be like, you know, not something like, oh, why are you always playing that stuff about, you know, like this 12 minute song by, you know, this group, and they're like, they're harping on this stuff that I don't care about. Like, you know, this, you wanted to make it relatable and like make it very upbeat and positive. That's great. And I, I'll, I'll say it right now. This is maybe my favorite outro on a Van Halen song. It's at least yeah. top five. You usually get the extended outros or the big rock concert uh, ending with the big drums and the guitar and everything. I just love how this ends because highlighting the harmonies, which make Van Halen one of my favorite bands of all time and, and world famous, you know, that Van Halen sound from Eddie, from Alex, from those harmonies. So to end on that note, I thought was just note perfect. It's uh, we, we talk a lot about how we appreciate uh, specifically uh, Michael Anthony's work uh, in the recordings is most, especially his high harmonies. Whenever you hear those high harmonies, kids, right. that's him. That's more right. than likely him. Mm-hmm. Um, and every time I think about a great example about Michael Anthony's uh, harmony ability, this is the song that comes to mind. It's it's always this song because he the the harmonies are so prominent. He is so prominent. Everybody is. I mean, everybody's right on the money. And I guess we can uh, really give a lot of credit to Ted Templeman with that. Uh, him being uh, sort of the the vocalist producer, shall we say? Right. You know, with right. with his. Uh, a fluency to uh, bring bring that out. Um, and I'm also a sucker for, uh, much like you said, Greg, I, I love when the music drops and you get the uh, sort of the acapella voices uh, right. going in and keeping the uh, keeping the flow going. And it doesn't, they don't drop. 
Like it, the rhythm stays steady all the way through, uh, which is not is without a click track. That's not easy to do. Uh, so big props to the boys in the band, big props to Ted Templeman for keeping that going. When I think about, uh, uh, the party rock, the hits of Van Halen, it 100% has this, uh, this song is in mind when I think of it for sure. So, uh, for me and for all of us, uh, yeah, feel your love tonight is indeed, uh, what dreams are made of in terms of the Van Halen echelon. No, I found this kind of interesting. Sammy never, he didn't like to do a lot of raw stuff. He never did this song uh, during his era, but Gary Sharon did uh, in 2015. They played this, or in 1998, sorry. Uh, they played this song uh, 37 times on the Van Halen 3 tour. I think that would have been great. pretty interesting. Yeah, I'm going to go check that out on YouTube. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's so, so, so emblematic of what Van Halen is. Actually, if you want to ask, like, this would be like, you know, like you know, if you ask somebody like beyond the hits, like if you wanted to play a song for someone to kind of explain to them what Van Halen is, this would be a very good, like you know, probably better than a lot of the stuff on like maybe like a Women's Children and some of the other like you know like basically like like I'd say like a song that's like not a like a uh, a top three or four song from an album. Like this is probably like would be one you'd want to say this is what Van Halen is about: the harmonies, the guitar solos, the good riffs, the uh, the party uh, the party lyrics. Um, the great, great um, virtuosity from all the all the guys in the band, and uh, just the, uh, the the upbeat feeling that you get. Again, not every Van Halen song does that to you, but that's definitely this is definitely be, what would be one you could play for people and say, oh, you know, this isn't a top ten top meaning a top ten Van Halen song in terms of the top ten most commonly listened to Van Halen songs. Be like, this is what Van Halen's about. It's it's rare when we get a full clean sweep like that, but uh, when we do get it, it's I think it's rightfully just, and I think we can all agree, you included listeners out there, uh, that sometimes you just gotta kick back and listen to some good fun rock and feel your love tonight is fun rock, but you don't have to take my word for it, and you don't even have to take Corey's word for it. Take it for uh the word for it from our uh, guest today. Freaking Greg Renoff, author extraordinaire. Greg, uh, first of all, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank Welcome. you for uh, all of your contributions here. Uh, this has been enlightening and awesome. Uh, and why thank don't you, you let the people? Why don't you let the people know what you got going on and uh, where they can <laughs> find you if they want to follow your goings ons? I'm just cranking out the Van Halen memes as fast as I can over at Twitter <laughs> at Greg Renoff. <laughs> That are, are 70 you, sports guy is like, he's like, tough competition. I'm going to catch him eventually. Good luck, <laughs> man. He's supposed to be. Yeah, he's, he is. He's, he's, that's one of my favorite, obviously one of my favorite accounts. Great fun. And uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, always hilarious. Like, you know, but there is like, yeah, he's got a few like go-to Van Halen teams, which are always like, it's funny. I mean, it's like, you know, it's like a comedian that tells similar jokes. So, like you kind of know where it's going to come from, but I always, I always laugh. Like you always know the joke's coming and you're like, always laughing. Yeah. Like, okay, here comes this. But yeah, it's great, great account. One of my favorite follows. Now, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask, Greg, you got any plans for a, a new book? And there's so much Van Halen history yet to be mined. Any thoughts of maybe uh, doing a sequel to Van Halen Rising? Yeah, I'll do another Van Halen book. Um, I am uh, I am contemplating the uh, the way to approach that. But yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm look, I'm always messing with Van Halen stuff when I work on some uh, my writing or research. And I have like, uh, when I die, God knows what's going to happen to my Van Halen stuff. It's going to have to go to like, I don't know. You guys have to to figure out something to do like raffle it off on my deathbed or something like that but um <laughs> yeah i mean yeah i'll do another van halen book it'll come 
That'd be great. If you're looking for something to take that Van Halen stuff off your hand, you know, me and Mark, uh, you know, we'll pay for shipping even if you want. So there you go. Yes. You heard it here, folks. The back sequel. up the back, back up the truck. You know, it's a, it's a lot of stuff. Oh, man. We should uh, Corey, tell people, uh, actually, I just want to let people know, uh, templemanbook.com, uh, if you want to get Van Halen Rising uh, or the uh, Ted Templeman book, uh, uh, Platinum Producer's Life and Music. Uh, I bought that on Kindle, but I'm looking here, and you can still get a version. I can sign your Kindle. Send it trick. to me through the mail. I'll sharpie that, that screen in a heartbeat. <laughs> well, <you laughs> like, have... Every book I read, it's a Greg Renoff signed book. I don't know what happened. Every page. <laughs> <laughs> I, I may just spring for the actual book <laughs> personalized inside by Gregor on off. I, I can't Anytime. wait. You guys awesome. are great. That's amazing. Uh, Corey, where can they, where the people can find you and where they can find the show and everything connected with it. Well, they can find me at CD Morset on Twitter. They can find the show uh, at podcast will rock and our website, www.podcastwillrock.com. We've got some merch on there. Catch up on old episodes. Um, you can get write the merch to people. Get the merch. You're going to love it. Yes. Uh, write to us. Let us know how much we suck. And let us know how much you loved Greg Runoff on the show. And hopefully if we get enough uh, good comments, uh, we can con him into coming back uh, at some point. Because this is a real treat for me. I, I love it. Anytime. I, I mean, anytime. I'm happy to come back. Uh, next Wednesday, I'll come back again. No problem. There you go. Perfect. There you are. Yeah. You can find me at Mark the Bat on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, go ahead and tweet me. Tell me uh, all about how finally we got ourselves another uh, expert on the show, an actual historian. And tell Except us when it comes to heavy metal, because he's wrong. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> You could do, yeah. Uh, your the discourse on whether or not you feel uh, one band is heavy metal versus another, you can send those to me because I'll just like, simply send you a gif of the guy saying, Okay, <laughs> and, uh, I take great, great joy in things of that nature. But uh, uh, speaking of heavy metal though, and uh, all rock natures of all sorts, uh, there, there are so many bands, so many great bands that are either connected to Van Halen or have some sort of uh, uh, some sort of connection there, and you can find some podcasts on those bands right here on the Deep Dive Podcasting Network. Uh, you name it: your Judas Priest, your Deep Purple, your your Queens, uh, uh, your ACDC. It's all there. Your Tom Petty's. Like, go on it. Check out all the awesome shows on the Deep Dive Podcast. We're there, including uh, uh Corey's other shows, Backtracks and Backtracks theme music. Check those out. Get the numbers up. Uh, you can tweet at me if uh, you have a problem with that because whatever, I'll accept all angry <laughs> tweets. I live for such a thing. And I also live for rocking out to some good Van Halen tunes. That's why we're here. That's why we do the show. That's why you're here to listen to us. We are and the podcast will rock and we will rock you later. Later. <laughs> <laughs>